good morning, everyone. I'm Pastor Jonathan Coleman, one of the ministers here at Anderson Hills United Methodist Church. Last week, we uh, completed the story series that we began last September. It was an amazing study series, chronological journey through the Bible. And today, we begin a short three-week series titled, Pause. Several weeks ago, our worship team asked the question, should we do a series called Pause when we literally have had to push the pause button for almost two and a half months? And so this series is about pausing to commune with God, pausing to allow our lives to be restored by God's rhythms and God's pace, pausing to seek God's direction, and guidance. This series has been planned uh, for months, and we agreed we should press on. And so, we deeply desire to minister to you. I know our staff does in these difficult times. You see, we do need to pause. You can't grieve properly without pausing. You can't observe and plan with intentionality without pausing. Many times God's timing will pass by if one does not pause. And so as I was writing this message, I thought about what we're going through together in the midst of this pandemic. And it reminded me of kind of the metaphor that I thought of was that of a critical warning light that goes off on your computer. You know that kind of blue screen where you get a critical warning that something very, very very wrong is about your computer. Basically states your computer has crashed. And immediately you hit Control-Alt-Delete and reset. Our world has been entirely reset. The world, the world is, I think, waiting to see if the reset will work. And resetting is frustrating. It's not a soft reset. It's a reset that happens when a virus enters in, as in involved. Things are be, beginning to be back online. Businesses begin to slowly open, and we see familiar activities that we once took for granted uh, arise and start to get into that rhythm again. But I know for me personally, in the background, I know I'm holding my breath, and maybe you are too. When are we going to be able to hug? <laughs> when are we going to be able to laugh closely together at close range? When are we going to be able to celebrate those milestones that have occurred in our lives, like our, these graduates, or watch baseball games with thousands of other people without anxiety? It's going to take some time for humanity, to, for this earth, to figure out. And so during this reset, we have to take time and pause and rely upon God to help us through. Folks, I know one thing during this crisis, God wants to protect our sanity. God wants us to, to help us and make sure that we don't self-sabotage. God calls and beckons us to rely on Him to carry us through. Pause and seek Him and love Him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. 
And I believe everyone must intentionally and mindfully pause in order to see that God is operating in the background, calling for us to keep himself at the center of our lives and nothing else. First and foremost, how do you do that? You spend time with God. One of our six habits here at Anderson Hills is to spend time with God daily. Why? God wants to commune with us. Maybe our hairstylist or our barber is not available, but God is available. My haircut's not scheduled till Wednesday. So. And, in, and see, in that present, whatever is happening outside in the world or inside our heart, mind, and soul, God calls us to press the pause button every day and join Him in order for us to experience firsthand His personal ministry unto us. Intimacy with God requires stillness and attentiveness and silence. Jesus is the example. He frequently removed himself from the world. He spent time alone in prayer and in solitude with his heavenly Father. Especially after he poured out himself, his energy, in active healing ministry. We see this in Luke chapter 5, verses 15 through 16. It says, Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. You see, when the crowds would press in, Jesus had the discernment to know when he needed to find space. And recharge. And he recharged by being alone with his father. And after ministering to people, we see in Luke 3, 42, it says, At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. People were looking for him. And when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. In Matthew 14, 22, Right after Jesus fed 5,000, it said immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, it says, the scripture says, he was there alone. You see, he was in commune communion with his father and he recharged that way it kept him focused on what he was sent to do it kept him focused on the active ministry for the benefit of those around him and it includes us you see intimacy with God requires that stillness attentiveness and silence and Jesus frequently removed himself from the world in silence and in prayer and solitude you see, Jesus' life reflects incredible balance. And there were times he was in the midst of the crowds, he was in the midst of the hubbub, he was precisely where he needed to be, but then there were other times when he retreated to that wilderness time. And on the last night we see he was with his disciples, after the Passover meal, he exited to the quietness of the Garden of Gethsemane for solitary prayer for his, with his father. To help him begin to take steps toward the cross in what was ahead. 
In silence, he would speak with and listen to his heavenly Father, and he gained the strength to carry on. And Jesus placed that heavy burden upon his Father, and then he carried out the mission. And in these moments, he he received that strength and confidence to continue. What did he do when he went away? He communed with God. Webster defines, defines the verb commune to mean communicate intimately with another. We are shaped and fashioned and contoured to commune with God and each other. Even though we are socially distanced, we are created to reach out and pull people into our arms. We are created to have contact with each other. We're created to show love through handshakes, hugs, and kisses. And I miss that. I don't know about you, but I do. We're fashioned to have two ears and lean in and listen actively to each other and have one mouth to speak. It's hard to do that right now in close proximity. But you know what? We can always lean in to God. Intimate communication or communion has always been at the heart of God and what God wants and desires with us. At the Last Supper, Jesus said to his disciples, I have eagerly longed to eat this Passover supper with you before I suffer. And he instituted what we call communion. And in that communion, we experienced the taking in through the sacrament intimate symbols of God's own representation to us. That presence found in that meal. And this is basically Jesus saying to his disciples and saying to us, This is all of myself given for you. Therefore, we need to take time and give all of ourself to God. God's communication to us is coupled with our response to Him. God did everything in order to interact with us. God and Jesus Christ removed every barrier in order for us to place our lives before Him. And we have complete access through that ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You even look at the cross, the symbol of our symbol as Christians, the cross, to where we can vertically interact with God and then we can interact with each other. Right now, it's tough with this way. And maybe during this pandemic, Your prayers are going up, maybe in frustration. I know I have. And maybe you've kind of had some resistance or built up a wall between you and God. But you see, what God sees as a wall, or what you see as a wall, God sees as a bridge on its side. And God wants to put it down flat and come unto us and have us come unto Him and minister to us. God wants to give us wisdom to navigate and discern the ways of himself versus the way of the world. Here's what God tells us to do in Psalm 46. He says, be still and know that I am God. This scripture proclaims in the stillness that we get to know God and understand God better. Mother Teresa uh, said this, God rarely is found in the midst of noise and restlessness. Instead, God is a friend of silence. Isn't silence weird? Especially if you're an extrovert by, like me. 
There are times where I just don't, can't stand silence, and I get sometimes forced speech where I need to talk, 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 and I even, even use fillers like um, 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 <laughs> and in between that conversation. You know, we need interaction. Hear these words from the psalmist. Be still and interact and know God. This scripture in Psalm 46 is, is an ancient hymn celebrating the triumph over trouble and rock-solid conviction that no matter what, God is with us and God is in control, even in this hurly-burly life. And we might not notice, but in that silence, we hear and learn His rhythms and His ways. And He breaks through in that silence. And it splits the night and brings light in all of our being. Silence is, after all, part of that natural order. We alternate silence and speech, and silence is the rhythm of God. And it is old and deep, into, even into nature, in creation itself. We talk to God and we listen. According to Genesis, God breaks into the cosmic silence with creative word and speaks things into being, into existence. And finally, on the seventh day, God rested. And I think God was quiet. Ecclesiastes says, there's a time for everything. There's a time to be silent and a time to speak. We need to invest in getting away with God. And God constantly calls to us, come away with me and learn my ways. And God yearns for that yearns for that with you. You see, society doesn't reward pausing. Society rewards doing. But constant doing does not do anything for us spiritually. It's vital that we pause and spend time alone with God and through prayer and solitude every day we can help diminish the speed of the world that's skewing our understanding of God, and even ourselves. Several years ago, one of my best friends made me aware that I was on the threshold of burnout because my complete lack of self-care. Usually when chaos is at its height in life, self-awareness is at its low. My colleagues suggested that I go to the Abbey of Gethsemane. I know many of you heard me talk about that before, but this was the first time I went there and I booked four nights and I made a vow to be silent. The day I was supposed to arrive, I ironically was filled with chaos and I ended up being three hours late. I came in the cover of darkness in that fall night. The wind was blowing and this quiet Trappist monk was waiting for me. As I hurried, pulling my suitcase behind me, I vividly recall seeing him peek out the door. But then I saw a sign right at the entrance. And it was a, one of the rules of St. Benedict. Let all guests who come be received by Christ. He opened the door wide for me. And I apologized profusely. And he smiled. And he spoke softly. That's not necessary. Welcome. Peace be with you. During those four days and four nights, I learned that silence was spoken there 
I experienced in that five days of silence a recalibration of my life. It was like a tuning fork went off, and God and I had incredible healing communion. And it was a life lesson for me. You see, those monks know a secret. Well, maybe it's not a secret. I believe we all know the deepest places of our heart, mind, and soul is being still before God. And pausing means being still. We need to take time and be still and remember who He is and whose we are in that stillness. God created us with our core needs or longings that only He can meet. And it happens a lot of times in that silence. We long to be safe and affirmed and nurtured and purposed and and loved and rested. And God will provide those good gifts unto us if we allow him to work in that pausing. Anxiety and unrest and discontentment will hover over our lives. And that storm will come and rage and it seems like in that busyness. We're not pausing in that presence on a regular basis. We need to go to the one who says to the storm, be still, and it obeys. We can experience our daily monastery when we pause and spend stillness and silent time with our Creator. In the words of the poet, and I don't know what poet wrote it, I just found it. It says, whenever I am troubled and lost in deep despair, I bundle all my troubles up and go to God in prayer. I tell him I am heartsick and lost and lonely too. That I am deeply burdened, and I don't know what to do. But I know he stilled the tempest, and he calmed the angry sea. And I humbly asked, ask, if in his love he'll do the same for me. I just keep quiet and think on thoughts of peace. And as I abide in stillness, my restless murmurings cease. Ask yourself right now. What place and space allows you to best commune with God? And make it a priority to go there. You may not experience a, a moment of a epiphany that first time you do it. But if you continue to do it, make it a, a daily ha- uh, habit, you'll experience silence and reflection and meditation. And we'll, you'll begin to incorporate a lot of his ministry, healing ministry that you find there in His presence. You can be sure that He desires to work in you, and you'll experience the fruit of that. I love the hymn, In the Garden. He walks with me, He talks with me, and He tells me I am His own. You see, that's the heart, that we come and we find out who we are, and He takes our burdens. The heart of Jesus Christ's ministry is taking burdens. In Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, it says, Come to me, all you are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. That's encouraging, isn't it? But what does it mean? The deepest depths, the core of this scripture you look at the incredible dynamics of what Jesus is saying. And I, I don't know if you can visually uh, visualize that yoke that comes upon our shoulders and Christ's shoulders and he's beside us. 
It was kind of a crossbar, a U-shaped piece that encircled the head of a pair of oxen. The easiest interpretation of this text is that when you are yoked to Jesus, he walks beside you and he's able to help bear your burdens and help you pull in this world. He wants to learn, uh, he wants to teach us and help us learn his ways, his rhythms. And what he says about these ways and rhythms is he says them unto himself, unto himself, gentleness and humility are the way he comes to us. And what do we find when we're yoked to him? We find that we don't have to bear the weight of our wor the world ourselves. And that's the obvious teaching. It's a beautiful teaching. But there are many ways in which being yoked with Christ will give us rest as those burdens are lifted. And when we're yoked to Jesus, we no longer have to prove to the world that we belong. Because we belong to him when we come to him. This passage tells us when we come unto him, we are accepted and we can find rest. I think many of us have a vast insecurity in our hearts of our own self-worth and being accepted. This insecurity makes tasks hard to handle, more difficult. And often we, we ex expend an enormous amount of energy trying to be something that we're not. There are many people who feel for one reason or another, that they don't belong and that their life has little value. These expectations produce stress, fatigue, burdenness. To be able to relax and be ourselves is one of the greatest benefits our faith gives us. It's one of the greatest benefits that our Lord gives us. And we come to the, when we come to the one who wants us to be yoked to him, we learn the rhythm of what it means to be truly alive and human. And we find our true self. Soren Kierkegaard was a Danish philosopher who suffered bouts of extreme depression. And undoubtedly it was due to a very difficult upbringing. And one day he wrote in his journal, And now, with God's help, I shall become myself. That's a liberating statement. And now with God's help, I shall become myself. Not what others expect of me. Not some unrealistic image I have of myself. No, with God's help, I should become who I was truly born to be in Him. There's no stressful pretenses. There's no more misguided strivings. I will relax and be me. Because I'm yoked with Him. Not just for a little bit. For a lifetime. We're accepted. We become free when we're yoked to him. This is to say that when we are yoked to Jesus, we know that we are loved and accepted and forgiven. And it's amazing how much that inner turmoil can be eliminated from our lives when we know that we are loved, accepted, and forgiven. And see, that's the A priority number one ministry is ministry. For our souls. God wants us to seek it out in him. And nothing else. And we find. That our souls become at rest. And are no longer restless. In that ministry. A couple of weeks ago. Um, my Fresh Expressions coach. Uh, Shannon did an exercise with me. And she had me write. Uh, make three columns on a sheet of paper. The first column is. Um, what I had lost in the pandemic. The middle column was what I did not lose. 
And the last column was what I have gained during the pandemic. In this exercise, I found that there are a lot of things that I lost and I grief over. But then I found that there were things that I did not lose. And I found that there were things that I gained. I think Mark hit it on the, the, the hammer on, on the head of the nail when he said, There's, you're seeing families walk, you're seeing families interact, you're seeing families get to know not only their true selves, but each other. And that's some of the things that we have gained. But one thing I looked at in that middle column is, is that I did not lose <laughs> the love, the attachment, the presence of God. Yeah, I looked at the things that I had lost and I mourned and took for granted. But I found that he's always been with me. He's always been there when the anxiety comes and that truth stuck with me. I had to pause and reflect on those three things. And I was present to his presence. And I was reminded that no matter what, he is mine and I am his. And that will never be taken away. I love Acts chapter 17. Paul is getting these, these men, these uh, wise seekers, wisdom seekers in Athens to understand the reality about who the one true God is. And they were seeking, they were searching. They would create statues of God and they would name those statues. But then they wanted to make sure that they didn't miss any gods. They, they made a statue and it said at the bottom, to an unknown God. And Paul saw it. And he began to explain who this God was in Jesus Christ. He said this, beginning with verse 24, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth, and he does not live in temples built by human hands. He is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, Jesus Christ, he made all nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. He goes on, he says, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far away from any of us. For in him... We live and move and have our being. As some of your poets have said, we are his offspring. You are completely his. And he says that to you, my child. And in him we live. In him we move. In him we have our being. And when we realize that to the core of our being, we find out our true selves. Pause. Pause and experience this. So what we're going to do right now, I want you to do this in your home. For the next couple minutes, I want you to ponder this statement. You'll see it up on your screen. Pause for a few moments. Ask God to remind you who he is to you. Meditate upon that truth. Take time to listen. If you're on Facebook, please feel free to type a word or words that you heard, maybe the Holy Spirit say to you. 
Let's take a couple minutes and I'll time us and then bring us back in prayer. Almighty God, you desire to commune with us. Teach us your ways. To teach us your rhythms. And in that communion we, we find you in ourselves. We find your ministry, your healing. So in this pausing that we do every day, Lord, may we be reminded to listen to seek you with all our heart, mind, and soul in the midst of any circumstance, especially the one before us now. We thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for you speaking healing into our soul. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.